Good morning, Joy Church. How are you doing today? Good to see you guys. Hey, can any can you guys see my shirt? I wanted to make sure that it was uh, today. I wanted to wear a bright shirt, a little bit bright. Make sure that uh, brighten your day a little bit. So, <laughs> I've already had some comments. So yeah, I did put the shirt on on purpose, just in case anybody uh, was uh, was wondering. But hey, you guys, we have a great opportunity to hear my awesome brother in Christ, my friend, Pastor Randy Goodo, and uh, he's going to be sharing with us today. But as we're moving forward in this series on evangelism, one of the things we do when we bring in a guest to speak is, is that we don't just bring in guests because they're cool or we like them or they're handsome or good at ping pong as he is. We bring in uh, people that we believe are going to really help us as a church take the next step in what God has for us today. So I've known Pastor Randy for about 11 years. This is one of the most amazing men of God you're going to ever hear. Uh, just a powerful passion for, for Jesus. He loves Jesus. He inspires me every time I'm with him to love Jesus more. He also inspires me to get more sleep because we always stay up till three in the morning talking. So anyways, can you guys give him a great warm round of applause today? He's going to share with us. Awesome. Go get him. Thank you. Love you. love you. All right. How many of y'all love Jesus this morning? Now, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this one time. Uh, obviously, I just heard that I have a Southern accent. I didn't know that I did. I thought I had no accent. I am from Baton Rouge. That's my hometown, born and raised in Baton Rouge. So I guess right now I want to say that... Um, don't be offended with me <laughs> about what happened a few years ago with the LSU Tigers and the Ducks. Now, I want to say this real quick, um, but just give me a chance. Give me a chance to speak for a minute, please. So in 2003, uh, you know, and LSU had won a championship, and then we heard that USC were saying they were co-champions, and I didn't know who USC was, but I thought it's a great acronym for Under Satan's Command. Now, listen, I mean, some of you might be from Cali, so again, I'm sorry. I, I apologize to you, too. But, um, and so I developed a pure hatred for USC, and, um, and so when I met Pastor Jake years ago, and he was this ravenous Ducks fan and shared a disdain for the Trojans, I felt like I met a long-lost brother. And so the Ducks became my number two team. So I flew in, though, the season before uh, LSU and, and the Ducks, you know, played each other, if y'all remember, and, and I thought, let me have some fun, you know, with my Oregon friends, so I remember I flew into Portland, and I had all LSU gear, and LSU hat, you know, and I mean, you know, my, my shirt and all my gear, and I'm in Portland, I'm, I'm just a southern boy, just, you know, I'm a Cajun, you know, we eat stuff in ditches, and I mean, we were just, we eat anything, and so I'm just trying to pick a fight and have some fun, and everybody in Portland is just like, dude, it's cool, bro, I'm like, really? We love LSU too, anyway. But then I fly into Medford, and, and, and I walk out of the airport, and there's like 30 people from their church in the green and white and doing that O thing that y'all do. Anyway, I got a chance to tour the facility. What an absolutely beautiful campus you guys have. And, uh, and so, obviously, hello, U of O. <laughs> and so, what an honor to be here today and speaking to you as well. And what a beautiful campus. Thank you, bro. And, um, and so, I'll tell you a little bit about myself, and then we're going to get right into it. I do talk fast, and obviously, I, I guess I am Southern. Do I have an accent? Okay. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, I love this series that you're in, and, and I want to say this, you know, about Pastor Jake, your pastors, him and, and, and Pastors Jake and Melanie, and just their whole family. How many know you have a tremendous pastor here? And what a great man. I'm always provoked, just his knowledge of the Word, but yet he's, so, he's a very intelligent man, 
But yet, you know, he just has so much humility in the way he carries himself. It's no surprise to me what God's doing right here in Eugene, Oregon. How many know you're experiencing something really good? So I almost feel like, what am I going to say that can help you guys? What can I say to bring something to the table when you have just great worship, a great plan, a great team, and, and a great city? And so I'm just going to talk, uh, talk for a few minutes. And, and so if you could just bear with me, and maybe we'll say a few things. We're going to talk about Jesus, and hopefully maybe I can provoke you a little bit. All right, sometimes I shout when I get excited. And uh, so, all right, we got all that out. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this house, for this church. Father, I pray that Jesus would be so exalted. I pray that you'd open up our eyes and give us eyes to see, open up our ears, give us ears to hear, cause our hearts to be soft and receptive to your word today. God, we just love you. And I know that there are people here right now who really need you. They really want to know that you're for them. They really want to know that you're not finished with them. There are people here who just, they need a word from heaven right now. Father, I pray that you would just speak through me and just let me be an instrument, just a vessel to flow through. Remove me and let Jesus be lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, when I was 16 years old, I had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. Uh, I went to a youth group, and the reason I went to this youth group was because uh, I was in a tremendous car accident over the summer before my senior year. Should have died, hit about 15, 20 trees, and uh, by the grace of God, got out of it. And so shortly after, I, I, I went to this youth group and thinking, let me get right with God, and that way, you know, because Christians don't do bad things, they, you know, they just do good things. That was my concept of Christianity. And I get in this little bitty youth group. It's a real small youth group, maybe 10 or 15 teenagers. And, and so, and that night, I just heard a little word and something enough about Jesus so caught my heart that I was wrecked. We had moved to Southwest Arkansas, God help me. And so we moved to Southwest Arkansas. And I remember I went to my bedroom at 1030 at night and I got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, if you could do anything with me, I will give you my entire life. I just want to know you. Could you, could you love me? Could you forgive me? And, and at 16, I remember, could you forgive me for all the horrible things I've done <laughs> at the age of 16? And, and so, and right there, God just, he just, you know, made himself real to me. And I just fast went on this journey because I became just mad obsessed with Jesus Christ. I was so hungry for the Lord, and so I would open up my Bible, and I'm like, man, God's talking to me. I'm reading King James Bible because I didn't know any other, any other Bibles existed, and I'm, I'm just it's so excited. How many know God can speak to you through the King James Bible? And, and so I got so excited that I'm like, it's, I have to tell all my friends. I got to tell everybody. So I went and drove out to a parking lot that I used to hang out with, and, and I dropped my tailgate, jumped up in the back. This is a week and a half after my meeting with Jesus in my room at 1030. And I started screaming like an idiot, which was just who I was. So I just was just being myself. Everybody come here. And so a little crowd develops. And I said, I got to tell you what, what Jesus did in my life just recently. And people start crying out there in this little parking lot and saying, I want to know more. And I didn't really know much myself. So I just, I said, here's a verse I know. And that was it. And, but I became addicted. And I realized it is so easy to talk about Jesus, you know. It really is. And, and so I became addicted to just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And it didn't matter to me who they were or where they're from. And look, in the South, everybody thinks they're a Christian. 
Uh, I mean, my pastor was out in the parking lot one time and said, sir, uh, do you know Jesus? And he says, well, I'm American by God. As though, you know, hey, you know. And so I remember feeling like I, I was just so hungry and obsessed. And so I, I read a few verses of scriptures. And they just went off in my heart. And, and I just want to kind of just talk and share with you for just a few minutes. And, and I love the name of this series, Irresistible, because to me, there is one person who is absolutely irresistible, and it's Jesus Christ. There is no one like him. And I believe this, that people in, in, in the world don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem maybe with the way he's been portrayed or represented. But listen, everyone who came into contact with Jesus was eternally changed. That's it. If we really want to impact a city, a state, a region, we just need to lift Jesus high, so high that people see him. And I know that our country is very fractured right now. Politically, uh, in, in every arena, there's so many questions and confusion, and really, I could care less about that. I know that there, I have a very simplistic answer, and it's Jesus Christ. Because in his era, it was pretty fractured as well. And all I know is when I read my Bible, it says things like, and everyone who touched him was made whole. There's something about where it says about Jesus that they catch this woman in the act of adultery. I don't know why they only brought one half of the people involved in the act of adultery, right? You know, probably because it was one of the Pharisees. They had to set it up. So they bring in, they throw at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus just writes from the ground the only sermon he ever wrote. <laughs> you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And so it says they all threw him away. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? None, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. How many know we need to hear, go and sin no more? But not before we hear, neither do I condemn you, because the neither do I condemn you is the power to go and sin no more. Well, what is the answer for this situation? What is the answer for this crisis? What is the answer for these moral things that we see in our country? Jesus Christ is the answer. It just is. I love this in John chapter 12, verse 19. How many of the Pharisees were very frustrated? And they were trying to figure out how to stop Jesus. And they said, basically, look, it's no use what we're doing. The whole world has already gone after him. One translation says this, that the world was in a, in a mad stampede running for Jesus Christ. I believe if we could really lift up Jesus in our churches, there would not be enough theaters and buildings that could contain the people that would want to know who he was. If you're here right now and, you have, and you're confused, depressed, sad, maybe you've gone through a horrible relationship crisis, I want to tell you there's hope for you and it's found in Jesus Christ. Amen? So uh, I don't just want to, I'm, I'm madly in love with Jesus. I don't want to just know him. I, I, I don't want to just one day be able to see him so I can kiss his feet and hold on to him and, and get to finally see the man who we get brand new bodies, but I'm guessing he's going to have holes in his hands for all of eternity. I can't wait to see the man who took my place on the cross, who paid the punishment for my sins. And I know who he is. I know who I am. There's this verse of scripture. And it's in uh, 1 Timothy 1.15. It says this, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. All right, do we have it up here? Look at this. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I'm the foremost. Here is Paul, and he, one way he said this, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. In one translation, he says, I'm public 
sinner number one. Some say he's the chief of sinners. And I read that, and there's a part of me that wants to say, I'd like to challenge him on that because I know what I have felt in my life. I have failed miserably in my life. Anybody ever had failures in your life? But Jesus came into the world to save people just like you and just like me. Just like the person down the street who's confused. Just like the person who's bound in sin this morning. Just like the person who does not know how they're going to shake this drug addiction or say this alcoholism. Just like the person, who, the man who's going to sleep at night who has a difficult time sleeping because he knows he wrecked his marriage and he has an estranged son or daughter and his heart is broken and Jesus is wanting to wrap his arms around him. We have to be the arms and the legs of Jesus to Eugene, Oregon. Amen? There's no one like Jesus. When I think about who he is and I think about what I'm not, there's this one scripture, it says this. I'm sorry, I didn't give it to him. I'm going to read it real quick. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27, I'll read it out of this translation. It says this. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately, say deliberately, chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies, to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. God is looking for a people who are hungry to say, God, use me. There's the businessman that some businessman needs to go reach. Come on. That I could never reach because he's going to laugh at me when I start talking. There's some homeless person who doesn't even have a meal right now. And is wondering how he's going to make it through the night and he's cold. Somebody's got to reach him. There's the little girls that are cutting their arms and legs and their parents don't even know right now. And they're full, so full of depression and discouragement. Who's going to tell them? How many of those are, there's a place that's so sad and that's why this is Joy Church, Eugene. Amen? I love this. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength, which means what makes him happy makes me strong. Sometimes what makes me happy makes me weak, but what makes him happy makes me strong. God is just all about jumping into people's lives. Amen? Look, there's this, this verse of Scripture, and it says this in Luke 4, 16 through 19. It says, And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To, uh, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know what? Right now it's the year of God's favor for Eugene, Oregon. That's what it is. He says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. There is no reason for him to have an anointing if he's not gonna do anything with it. And how many know there's an anointing on us as well? There's an anointing on us. If you've been born again, you need to know this, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you too to do something, to touch somebody's life. I don't believe that our life and our, the meaning of our existence is just to suck some air, give some dollars, attend service from time to time and do our religious duty and then go ahead and die. No, we are here to change the world for Jesus Christ, to have an impact. That's why we are here. What makes Jesus so different, my goodness, I, I begin to track the things that he did where it was the, 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 the lepers 
you, you know, and, and the lepers run up to Jesus, these, these, this man, and he falls at the, at, on the ground and says, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. What, what was it about Jesus? There was this irresistible thing that no matter what you were walking through, he had the answer, and the answer was he himself. Come on, a leper was not even allowed to come into a community. This is a person who was an outcast. They literally had to shout and yell, leper, leper, so that everybody would know they were coming so that they could get out of the way. Stay away, get out of here. And I know that there are a lot of people in life that they feel like they're a leper too, that they're unworthy. They carry shame. And this leper, he comes and he falls at the feet of Jesus. And he says, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. And the Bible says that Jesus knelt down and he did something so profound because no one touched a leper. If you touch a leper, what's going to happen? And the first thing Jesus did was he reached down and he touched him. How many know right there is when he healed him on the inside? Because he touched him and said, I want to be healed. He touched every broken place on the inside. That's the Jesus that the world is hungry for. That's the Jesus that the world is craving right now. Amen? And it's, gosh, I don't know about you, but how many of you have been captivated by Jesus already? If I could have time, I mean, Pastor Jack, like, come on, go, stop it, stop it, don't say that. Listen, let me tell you this. If I could cut my, my chest open, let you see all the places in my life, the places of the depravity, the places of darkness, the places of brokenness in my life, the places where no one could help me, the places where God opened up a great door and I just said, let's see how I can mess this up. And where God has healed my marriage, he's healed and touched my children. The places where God has just made himself you know, known to me in my places of desperation. He's so amazing. How many here raise your hand if God has done something for you that no one else could, could do? Anybody like that here? Has he? Yes. Then how can we keep that to ourselves? So many people in the church would say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Come on, yeah, there we go. It's, it's, a, it's an international thing. It's not just in the South. You know it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Let it. Let it. Let it. And then what do we do? We leave church and we don't shine at all. Our, our neighbor never gets invited to our house for dinner so he can just find out a little bit about who we are and maybe find a way to help them, right? And it's no wonder why the majority of Christians in America, they're bored, absolutely. Because we believe that the ultimate of Christianity is to come sit in a church and just hear some messages and go home. No. And some preachers, they're, holding, they're keeping the secret. It's wrong. They need to be rebuked. You're keeping the secret. What? God wants to touch other people's lives. My life, I, I love consistently being wrecked with how awesome Jesus is. I hear a story, and it wrecks me on the inside. I'm like, I want to be in on that. I remember hearing the story about a young girl, 13 years old. And she was in, you know, had gotten you know, kidnapped and forced into the sex trade. And some operatives went in and found her and were able to rescue her. And in the room where she'd been repeatedly raped, 
they saw on the wall itself where she had defiantly scribbled a prayer out of Psalms 27, where she wrote, when evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, my heart will not fear. There are little girls right now that are crying out, little boys that are crying out. I think about this wonderful woman named Jackie Pullinger who left England in the 50s and made her way to China. And nobody would support her because she was a woman. They said, you shouldn't go to another country. You can't be a missionary. You definitely can't speak. You shouldn't talk. Be quiet. Shut up and sit down. And she goes to China. And her motto was this. If you want to see revival, plant your church in the gutter. And every heroin addict that would let her pray for them was immediately and instantly healed. And just this incredible work where they literally shut down the walled city because of this woman's work. My heart says, that's me. I want to be a part of that as well. Amen? Come on, how many are doing good? Y'all right? Am I making sense? I feel like I'm just talking. There was this man, he said this in the 1800s, the two great pillars upon which true scriptural Christianity rests are the greatness of our fall and the greatness of our redemption. Amen? Look, you know, think this. There's some scriptures that just, what the Bible says about sexual immorality, what the Bible says about, you know, lying, what the Bible says about stealing, what the Bible says about all these different things. And I know how I'm wider. I know my fairs know this, though, that when Jesus went to the cross and was stripped completely naked, I mean, no one was crucified with their clothes on. The cross was a place of utter shame and humiliation. Uh, uh, there could really be no movie to portray the cross because it'd have to probably be X-rated because it'd be so graphic, so unbearable. And the thing that when they, when they, my sins, listen, my sin, my shortcomings were so immense that it necessitated them pulling the beard out of his face and beating him on the head with a rod where they, they pulled all the clothes off of his body as they nailed this hand, nailed this hand, and drove the nail through the top of his feet out of the bottom of his heels. And the Bible says, for the joy, for the joy, what a great name, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. It's because this, it, women, thousands of men in the days of Jesus were crucified, hundreds of women, but they at least gave a woman the dignity of crucifying her facing the wood where the man is outstretched naked and no way to hide himself. For the joy that was set before me endured the cross, despising the shame. To think that Jesus paid the price for my shame. That he paid the price for the times that I brought humiliation into my life and my failures and my inadequacies that Jesus suffered, that even his own father turned his back on him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To heal the places in my life where I have felt abandoned. Listen, there's not a place that you've experienced in your life where the love of Christ will not penetrate every area. There's not a darkness in your life right now where his light doesn't want to burst in. Listen, right now this morning, where it wasn't want to burst in, and reveal his love, his compassion, and his mercy. If I were to look at Randy and say, this is what you deserve, Randy, I would say judgment. God looks and says, mercy, because I took the judgment that you deserved so that you could be forgiven. Amen?
It's not just the fuck I'm just talking right now. <laughs> what we need more than anything else right now in America, especially in this very toxic environment. Is it just me or is it toxic? Look, I'm in the South and I think it's toxic. So I know you guys think it's toxic. So glad God did not call me to be a politician. Who's the answer? Is it Hillary? Is it Trump? Jesus is the answer. Is it Democrat, Republican? Jesus is the answer. Is it banning the NRA or enforcing, you know, letting them do what they want to do? Jesus is the answer. The problem that we have is not going to be resolved politically. It's going to be resolved by a body of people that say, I want to tell you who Jesus Christ is. Does it sound too simplistic? Yes. That's how come the majority of our country is failing right now because they don't realize Jesus really is. He is the hope for all of humanity right now. He is the hope right now. There's no one else who can do what he has done and what he is willing to do. But he, so many times, Jesus right now in, in our cities and in our nation he's bound and he's gagged he's bound and gagged and he's chosen to operate and flow through flawed and cracked vessels like you and like me and I don't know about you but I have found the most healing in my life when I pour out my life into another broken vessel when I saw I found somebody that that they've failed in their marriage and I say let me tell you what God has done in my marriage Come on with me right now. When a person says, you don't know how I've messed things up, let me tell you who he is right now. Discouragement, the depression, let me tell you. Let me bring you to the feet of him who has the answer. But again, he's gagged, he's bound. And I believe Jesus is longing to be released because he absolutely is. He's irresistible. They couldn't keep the crowds from him. The children, how many know the children are the best identifier of somebody if they're authentic or not? Find out who you are. Let me see how kids react around you. Don't get uncomfortable, men. <laughs> oh, get them kids around me. Jesus, they just couldn't get to him fast enough. Even the disciples like, keep them away. Hey, let these kids come over to me right now. Come on. Jesus is irresistible. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. It's the Christ in you. I love what John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. I love when I get into a situation and I don't know how I'm going to come through. Because those uncomfortable places, that's when his strength is made perfect in my weakness. It's not about oratorical ability. It's not about having the right message. It's about sitting down and just saying nothing and crying or putting your arm around them and say, it's not over with. Your story's not over with yet. Everyone who's here right now, let me tell you this right now. Your story's not over with. Let me talk to you. Your story's not over. God hasn't even started yet. You, don't, you, you know how old I am? I don't, look, the older I get, the more I realize how young old age is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm real. I'm serious. I, like, like, I'm, like I'm, I'm, I was born in 19, but I'm in the nothing. And I, I feel like... I'm 44. I'll be 45 in November. I got a daughter who's turning 21 this month. We got an 18-year-old son, 15-year-old girl, and a 13 going on 14 next month. You know, we have lots of kids in the South. Anyway, you know, look, man, God hasn't even begun with you yet. He's getting ready to get started. 
So it, there is an amazing feeling in this building. Let me just speak to you guys. There's something very, I wish I could steal all of you and bring you to, to, to the South. Who wants to go and do a church in the South? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Listen, there's something amazing God's doing here. Have you, listen to me, do you have things that you're still holding on to, that you're still hiding, that you're still ashamed about? I want to encourage you to open up everything you have to Jesus. Let him step into your life. Let him reveal your, himself to you in a way you've maybe never experienced before. And then when he is finished doing what he does best, he specializes. I love this. You know, how many know that he is the one who heals the brokenhearted? No doctor can do I've never met a surgeon yet who can heal the broken heart. Jesus, he specializes in that. I want to encourage you to open up every part. Every parent here who you, maybe you're struggling with a son or a daughter. Maybe you've made some mistakes and it stays with you. I understand what that's like. I'm a dad. Maybe you're a husband, a wife. Do you know that there's hope right now for you right where you are? He's, he's irresistible, and he's calling to you right now. And if you, have a, if you get it, stay close enough in proximity, you will not be able to help but come draw near to him. It will pull you in. Listen, even his rebukes and correction... It's so full of love and mercy. And then let him do such a thorough work in you where you just can't contain it. You've got to go tell somebody. Today, all I'm doing really right now, I feel like I'm talking to you. I feel like I'm just talking about how awesome Jesus is, what he's done in my life, and he's not finished. I wish I could, I wish I could sit with you and say, tell me your story. I wish I could this gentleman right here and say, I just want to know your story. I wish I could come to you and say, tell me your story. This gentleman over here with the glasses on and the hair's a little bit wider than mine. I'd love to come and say, sure, I'd love, I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear your story. Come here, it's a story and it's gonna keep on. God's writing a story right now, <laughs> you know? I've been the leper. I've been that woman at his feet. It's us. It's us. It's you and me. Why do we have to pretend like we're perfect when we're not? It's crazy. We, you know, <laughs> Jesus already knows everything about us, and he says, I still want you to be mine. Amen? My heart, I feel like it's kind of hurting right now because I feel there, there are people here who are hurting. And I know this, that there's so many more out there that are hurting. I'm going to tell you this one quick story, and I'm going to pray for you. Years ago, there was a vessel wrecked off the coast of Scotland. I'm going to give you a picture of the church, what we need right here. There was a, a vessel was wrecked. It's a true story. And it was during the day. People saw men hanging on to pieces of rock and wood. And one long before the, the village runs, rushes out, they put a boat in the water, and they launched out to try to rescue the men. It seemed like an eternity. It started getting dark, so they lit fires and prayer vigils happened. They'd see the, the boat rise up over a wave until it disappeared on the other side of the wave. And they kept praying fervently, please bring our fathers and our husbands back, our sons, with the other men. Finally, after hours, they see the boat making its way in. And a man 
named John runs to the edge of the shore and hollers out, have you saved the men? And the answer came back, yes, we've saved the men. The men. Everybody began to rejoice as the boat was unloading. John kept looking and he sees what looks like a man hanging out there still. And he says, wait, you, you said you've saved all the men, but I see a man out there. They said, yeah, there's one more man. The waves were so difficult. We were so wore out and exhausted that we couldn't get to him, but we didn't think it was right to lose everybody trying to rescue one more. He says, you will go back, won't you? They said, we can. We, we have nothing left, no energy. He says, then I'll go, who'll go with me? And six men step forward and climb into the boat. As John gets ready to step into the boat, he hears a woman scream his name. And he turns around and his mama comes and throws her arms on him and says, you can't go. We lost your father to sea. And 15 years ago, your brother William left for sea and we've never saw him again. For all I know, he's dead now. And if you go and die, I won't be able to live any longer. And he kissed his mother on the cheek and gently loosened her arms and said, Mother, God has put it in my heart to go. And if I drown, God will take care of you. He pushes off. The prayer vigils begin. They see the boat rise and fall, rise and fall. And finally, it's making its way back after a few hours. And a man runs to the edge of the shore and says, have you saved the man? To which John cried back, yes, we've saved the man. Someone please tell my mother that it is my brother, William. Hey, we have a great boat right here. You've been rescued. But there are some Williams, there's some brothers and sisters and mamas and daddies and sons and daughters out there. And we got to go get them. Amen. Could you bow your head and close your eyes? Listen, right now, if you're here, you need Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've, you are, you're like that leper. You're like that woman who was thrown at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you're walking through so much pain or confusion. Maybe you're so in need of restoration and healing. Maybe you're facing some kind of battle and you don't know what you're going to do. And you've never really said, Jesus, please come in, take over. Today is your day. God is crazy about you. I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. It's the same prayer I prayed at 1030 at night when I was a teenager. But God honored it. I just want you, if you could, you could just pray with me right where you're sitting. Just say this. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner. But I trust in you. Jesus, I believe that you took my sins when you died on the cross, but you were raised to life again. I put my hope in you. I put my faith in you. Jesus, be my Lord. I give you all that I am in Jesus' name. Look at me real quick. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to fill out a card right there, drop it in the bucket, because they, I'm tell you, these pastors and this staff, they love you, and they want to pray for you. They want to encourage you. Please fill that out. And those of you who are here, I want to challenge you. It's time to launch the boat. It's time to get out there, and let's go bring some people back in. If you're here and you say, God, I'm just going to be bold and just say, God, use me, I'm going to pray a prayer with you, over you right now. If you could just close your eyes, and if you're here, put your hand over your heart. If you're like, God, use me. I don't know how, but use me. Just close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, just as an act of faith. Father, for every person right now that has their hand over their, over their heart, it's like I pray for myself, God, use us. Use us. Help us to make a difference. God, let us put that boat out. Strengthen us. Let Jesus be high and lifted up through our lives. 
Where it's been difficult or scary, make it easy, God. Give us a grace to be your ambassadors to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen.